Welcome to Maximum Octane and your ride to the entrepreneur's evolution in the automotive industry. I'm your host, Kim Hickey, former shop owner turned industry educator, speaker, and entrepreneurial motivator. Each week during our ride together, you will hear unfiltered stories of inspiration and transformation shared by successful business owners and CEOs. Their experiences will motivate you to do things you never thought possible, encourage you to reach your full potential, and help you to exchange unproductive habits for productive ones. While many of my guests will be related to the automotive industry, it's crucial in the world of tomorrow that we stop being silos and we open our minds to ideas and inspiration from other industries as well. We also know that to be truly successful in business, you must have a healthy work and home life balance. All of my guests are handpicked with these crucial elements in mind. Our industry is evolving by the second, and we need to as well. Buckle up, because here we go. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Maximum Octane. This is your ringleader, Kim Hickey. Today, joining me, I have a fantastic guest, and actually, one of the people I want to be when I grow up. So Debbie Amano will be joining us here today, and we are going to talk about emotional intelligence And um, for some of you out there, you're like, oh, we're not into that touchy feely stuff and all of that. So I wanted to sort of lay everything out and explain really what it is. And I couldn't think of anybody better than uh, Debbie to do that with us. And Debbie is runs Genos North America and is the managing director there. So she really is in the know and all of that. So welcome, Debbie. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. This is great. How are you? I'm doing well. It's hard to believe we are coming on the end of the year. Um, Oh my gosh. Quite a year it's been on top of quite a year that the year before it was. So it's really in all of our lifetimes, really, it's an, it's an unprecedented moment in time. And I, I think what we've all been through in the last couple of years to the point of us starting this conversation with, oh my gosh, it's December. Uh, <laughs> it's crazy. You know, is really this highlight on, you know, how we're all feeling. How have the last couple of years really impacted our well-being, our mental health, how we're feeling. Many of us feel more irritable and more on edge or more, not even just tired. People are describing feeling exhausted. And there, and there are some emotional intelligence, drained. Yeah. Drained is a word that I hear from a lot of people. They're just, they feel drained and they, they don't know how to recharge or, or get back. It's, it's yeah. not even being tired anymore or exhausted. They just physically and mentally are drained. Yeah. And there there are some really solid reasons for that that don't have anything to do with what we're physically doing with our body, but that do have to do with the emotions that we're experiencing, uh, kind of the load on our brain, the way that our brains are under the hood kind of functioning for us. There are some real biological reasons why so many of us feel that drain. So we can talk about a couple of those reasons and a couple of things that, that you can do to help to, to start alleviate that. I would love to. And, and from two aspects, I'd like to address today, if we have time, there's the, the personal self, you know, of, of feeling that drain and what can we do with emotional intelligence to, to help that. But also it, everyone is talking, it doesn't matter what industry they're in about, can't find any good help or people are just quitting. I think I just read something this morning 
almost 4 million people just quit their job in September, uh, last month, just because they could without anything lined up. You know, most of them didn't, you know, years ago, people wouldn't dare think of leaving a job or career, you know, unless they had something lined up. And now it, it seems without any rhyme or reason that people are doing this. And as we know from, you know, working with emotional intelligence, there is a rhyme and a reason (laughs) to it. And so I think both of those aspects are, are pretty important because if we want to attract and retain good people to, to be with us, then, then we have to, to work on that. So let's start with the personal realm, if you wouldn't mind. And um, please pay attention, everybody. This isn't a foo-foo, (laughs) touchy-feely, voodoo, witch doctor, you know, anything. There's real science behind this, right? Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk, I think, Kim, a really a good place to start is, you know, kind of what happens in our brains that we are not consciously aware of and that we also don't have any control over. But if you're listening to this wonderful podcast and Kim's excitement and enthusiasm, and you agree with the fact that you're human, then this is happening to you, right? Because this is what our human brains do. And we can be very grateful that generation after generation, our brains have evolved into doing this because it's literally what keeps us alive. But it is also the source of a lot of what we're talking about here around why are people just stopping quitting their jobs and why do people feel so drained, right? And so just a little of the underpinning of the science. And I'll, I'll give you an example because I think we can all identify with, think of someone who you've ever worked for or with who just was fabulous. Like they were just wonderful, right? You just, you wanted to work with them or you clamored to get onto their project or onto their team or with somebody who coached you when you were younger and you just felt like you'd run through a brick wall for them. And you felt that way because of the way they made you feel, right? If you think about how you felt and do that, right? Think of the very best person you ever worked for or with or a coach by or a teacher. And I said to you, just send me an email that says how this person made you feel, right? One word, how does this person make you feel? If you're thinking about that while you're listening to this, uh, odds are that you've come up with something like, I felt valued, I felt appreciated, I felt included, I felt part of, I felt like I was meaningful, right? We've done this with thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people. And overwhelmingly, these are the things that that come back. And, And when we say then, how would you describe that person? If my next homework assignment to you was now send me an email and if you were going to tell me about this person, how would you describe them? So if you think about that, here's what we hear a lot of. They were a real leader. They were a mentor. They were inspirational. They cared. They were compassionate. So these are the ways that when people make us feel valued and we describe them as being true mentors or true leaders, that puts our brain, that pleasant emotion or those pleasant emotions really put our brain into this really wonderful place called reward circuitry. And it's exactly what you think. It's, It's literally you experience something that's really productive, like feeling valued or appreciated. By the way, that can be a boss or a coworker, or we talked about personally, right? This can be your child. So I'm grinning like an idiot right now. They can't see on there, but I have a teacher. I'll I'll tell her name, Mrs. Liskovitz. And I had her in junior high school and she wound up going to the high school I was at. And she's that person for me or the first person that was that to me. And I still use her name 
for, I probably shouldn't say, but I do passwords <laughs> and other things. And we're talking years and years and years later, right? I mean, but that's the impact that that she had on me in my life and who I am today. And so just thinking about, you know, it is making me smile right into, and I hope everybody is having that smile in that little moment right now when they're listening, thinking about that person for them. And, and thank you. And thank you, Ms. Liskowitz. 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 <laughs> you know, because she's she's someone who is the beacon or is a beacon in your life. And no doubtedly, Kim, if I ask a lot of your classmates just that same open-ended question, I'm guessing that she's the person they would think of too, right? These are people who are really guiding others. They, and whether she intentionally worked on whether that's who she was fortunate enough to be born into and she crafted that skill, but such an impact. And the way that we feel, the way that she made you feel, and still to this day, because I can see you too, mm-hmm. still to this day, right? That creates in your brain this thing called reward circuitry. When our brains, when this part of our brain called our amygdala, our fear center, um, says, hey, that's safe or that's good, right? That's a friend. That's not a foe. There's an entire biochemical process that happens in our body. Things like oxytocin are released and dopamine, right? Now we know these things as like the feel-good hormones and it feels good to feel good, right? When you think about her, it feels good, but not only does it feel good, it does several things for us. Number one, we actually kind of get smarter. Now it doesn't mean that your IQ jumps points, But we have this ability to want to learn more and we are able to learn more. So with this heightened critical thinking capability, we are incredibly engaged. We feel very rewarded by our work. And so in other words, we're like at the height of our creativity. So for you and your listeners, I don't don't know if this happens to you, but you know, there's a place probably where you have like your best ideas. So for me, since you're sharing for me, that's in a hot shower in the morning. I can solve all kinds of things that my brain's been chewing on in those moments. So much so that I actually got a dry erase marker and I write down my ideas or my thoughts on the shower door because I'm wow, also that's a be- great idea. Mine Listen, come when I'm supposed to be sleeping. So I'm right now when I'm very envious that yours you in the morning <laughs> and not when you're trying to go to sleep. And two, what a brilliant idea to write on your shower with a dry erase marker. I love that. Listen, you can put you put a notepad right by your bed. And so when they do come to you at night, you kind of write them down. I write them on my shower door because I'm about to be 55 and I'll forget it by the time I'm done. And I've got the towel around my head. But, you know, it, it might come to you like those of you who are runners, right? You might solve or have these these answers come to you when you're out for a run or if you have a particular place, let's say in your backyard under a tree or on a bench, that's a place where you like to contemplate and meditate. And all of a sudden, like, oh, this is I've got it. I've solved it. I thought of it. I know what it is. Right. There's a whole body of neuroscience around these creative moments, around these epiphanies. And you'll not be shocked to know that overwhelmingly, significantly overwhelmingly, they happen when we're in reward circuitry. We got this biology happening for us. Now, here's the deal, right? We have to have that happen. So people like your teacher and those of you who thought of coaches or teachers or colleagues or people in your life, your partner, uh, your kids, when they make us feel good and we're in that reward circuitry, we're smarter, we're more creative, we're more engaged. Now, 
how do we feel when we're when we're in that circuitry where you feel satisfied and meaningful and valued and useful? That's whether we are at home, at work, getting a coffee, helping a community member, showing up for a PTA meeting. This no, we're human, right? And if you're human, when you experience something and your amygdala says, this is a friend, this is good, man, we are literally at the best version of ourselves. Now, this is really good for people because being in that, that mode, being in that reward circuitry enhances our well-being. And when we lift well-being, we increase longevity. People lead longer lives, but they lead longer, happier, healthier, more engaged lives. So on a personal front, how awesome is that? We have a heightened ability to connect with other human beings, to communicate with other human beings effectively, to collaborate with other human beings. If any of you on this call have a, a, a partner or a spouse, you'll know that marriage and partnership is really about connection and communication and collaboration. And so from a personal standpoint, this just enables us to more productively be with ourselves and others, but it has this huge uptick on our health, our physical, mental, emotional well-being, which means, of course, we have to talk about the other side, right? If, if I ask you to think about, you know, who you would identify kind of as the worst boss or coworker or colleague or coach or teacher that you ever had to be around, and I said, please send me an email and, and tell me how you felt. I hope it's past tense, Ugh, not current, yes. <laughs> how you felt. <laughs> Thank goodness. Around, yes, around that person. You know, we hear, Kim, awful things. We hear people say, I was berated, or I felt bullied, or I was belittled, or I was made to feel stupid. And this comes, by the way, from people from every walk of life and every profession. Uh, great respect for the military. This comes from retired military professionals. This comes from people who have their first job. Again, we've all agreed that we're human listening to this. And so if you've ever been around somebody like this, you know, it feels awful. And if I had you send me an email that said in one word, describe this person to me. Sometimes when we ask that question, that answers get a little colorful, but it's always something like a bully or they're toxic or they're narcissistic or self-centered, right? So I don't know. I hope that there's no one in, in your life, although an indications are, by the way, you answered that, that there is someone who made not you. Not anymore. No, goodness. Glad to Wonderful hear that. that the world has evolved and we've all learned to set boundaries and uh, do do things and that that's not acceptable anymore, right? In, in the workplace or anywhere else to, to treat people like that too. Yeah, it's, it's not yet. It happens. It does. Every day, in every organization, at every level, everywhere in the world. Right? This is not a unique thing to our part of the world. This is, this is universal. Now, the interesting thing, Kim, is twofold. One, when we're around people like that and we feel like we're being belittled and berated, our brains are in what we call threat circuitry. Now, this is also biological. This is when someone calls our idea stupid in a meeting, for example, and your brain says, hey, now this is, this is not good. And now it's going to release in your body, like your adrenal glands, which sit on top of your kidneys, they start pumping out adrenaline like crazy, right? 
oxygen-rich blood in your brain drains from your brain and goes to your extremities. Why does it do that? Well, this is a holdover from our very nervous ancient ancestors who, when they got that feeling, like in the pit of their stomach that all of us get, right? But that's even in our language, right? I had this funny feeling in my stomach or my gut told me or my stomach dropped. Our very nervous ancient ancestors who paid attention to the physical signals of threat circuitry turned around and went a different way and didn't get eaten by the saber-toothed tiger. Um, our not-so-nervous ancestors, by the way, didn't turn around and they got eaten, which is why, you know, uh, you and I are here because our ancestors were nervous and paid attention. We don't have saber-toothed tigers anymore. Thank goodness. We do, thank, well, we thank goodness. You're right. But we do have the modern-day versions of them. We do. Somebody calling our idea stupid. Getting a letter in the mail from the IRS. You know, I just... You just mentioned about somebody calling somebody's idea stupid in a meeting. And then it, it's crazy to me that people who do that, who berate people in meetings or or do any of that, and then they are like, oh, I don't get any participation. Everyone just sits there with a dumb look on their face during meetings. Well, that might be because <laughs> yeah. the few people that have tried to contribute, you know, you called out or it made them uncomfortable. So who the heck wants to? But but the people that do that are absolutely floored that they're not getting participation or feedback or contributors, you know, and it's like, okay. Yeah. This- but you know, you, you bring up <laughs> such a good point because as kids, right, what do we learn? Don't put your hand on the stove because it's hot. You put your hand on the stove. Ouch, it's really hot. I'll never do that again. And so that's what the participants do, right? I put forth an idea, got called stupid. Ooh, that stove is hot. I'm never doing that again. Right. Here's where the opportunity is. And here's the interesting thing about this. The opportunity is the person who's saying that most often just simply needs some skill set development, right? Here are two things that people don't really quite realize. First of all, we're human. That biology of threat circuitry and reward circuitry that I described for you, we do not have control over that. And thank goodness we don't because it's what keeps us alive, right? Getting a funny feeling in your stomach means that if you pay attention to it and you consider something more deeply or you alter your course or you don't step off the curb in front of the bus, right? This keeps us alive. This is really important. So often when that person is saying that in a meeting, they're simply reacting. They don't realize that they can rephrase something, not do something more, Just say something slightly differently to get a far more productive result. They just don't have that skill set yet. And so this is the great opportunity around EI, right? Because we can grow it and develop it. In fact, on average, we can improve by about 17%. So taking someone who's running a meeting and calls an idea stupid and then doesn't understand why they're not getting participation and having them go through a process where they get to measure some of their EI and they get to have some intentional work on it and they learn, oh, here's a better way to respond when that happens, all of a sudden can create an environment where people are like, oh, I, I can now put forth an idea. And it might be a little off the menu, but it didn't get called stupid. It became a seed of another idea that got to be another idea that turned out to be the solution. Now, all because the person running that meeting just was missing that skill. And, and speaking EI, Kim, is a little bit like, most of us have a little bit of another language, right? I have a little bit of Spanish. 
And so if you dropped me in Barcelona, which by the way, feel free to do, because that's a gorgeous (laughs) city. But if you dropped me in Barcelona, here are some things that I can do. I can ask for a restroom. I can greet people with hello. I can thank people. I can order a glass of wine or a nice beer. And I have like toddler level vocabulary around things like cats and dogs and birds and the ocean. But beyond that, I can't speak Spanish. Many of us are like my Spanish. We got a little bit of these things, but we can't, we don't really know all of it in context. But if you put me in a Spanish class, I can get a whole lot better at it. And that's really what happens for the the person that you're describing is that they just haven't learned the skill set around EI. And when they do, when you begin communicating in a way that's not more, just different, you start to get more engagement. And why do you do that? Because now you're treating people in a way that puts them in reward circuitry. And so they're at their most smart, creative, engaged positions. And this is where we get great ideas and we get communication and collaboration and connection. All because we just had to teach somebody a few new words, a few new different ways to speak. And that, I think, that is the thing about this that is so exciting because when you learn that, that doesn't mean that you just do it at work and you don't take it home with you. Or if you've learned it for home, you don't just do it at home and not take it to work for you. It's like this universal skill set that has a cool impact on the person learning it and the people around them. I think it, it really helps you evolve. And one of the things that from, from becoming certified as a practitioner and, and working with emotional intelligence now, it is, as you said, very little tweaks. And I've actually had people mention to me and say, wow, you really handled whatever meeting today so well. And I couldn't believe when that person started like just rambling or whatever and how you were able to just redirect them and say, you know, and so I, I, I think that it, it makes a huge impact, right? But little things, because you don't realize that how, how your actions or your words affect other people. And for me, I'm not a, a big sugar coater. Everybody that knows me knows I'm not, a, I'm very, this is how it is. This is who I am and whatever, but, but you can still be who you are and you mm. can still be not a sugar coater, but deliver the information just with slight tweaks. And I, I think that's the disconnect that People, when 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 I speak to them about emotional intelligence or I hear conversations about, it, they're like, oh, I'm not doing that, you know, singing Kumbaya and just holding everybody's hand during a meeting. This isn't about giving everyone a trophy. This isn't about just complimenting everybody for doing horrible work. That That's not what this is, but it's being aware of how, like you said, that you respond to a question or something instead of reacting, reacting to it. And it, it's really been an amazing thing and, and all around, you know, like you said, personal life, work life, all of that. And just to have an understanding and we don't know what we don't know. And there was not a class, at least when I went to school in high school of, you know, here's how the best way you can, you know, respond to someone when they do this or that there's, there isn't that, you know, and in today's world, everybody's getting busier and busier and busier and our schedules are. So I, I looked at my schedule this morning and just wanted to cry because <laughs> I was like, literally, I, I think there's a five minute break, you know, from early this morning until probably six o'clock tonight. So we we don't have time to 
even think, let alone. So, so that pressure, you know, all of those things, sometimes you answer a little bit shorter than you would because you're, you're just in a hurry and you don't realize that, or you respond quickly on an email like, yeah, okay. And then they're, oh, then the other person is like, oh my gosh, I wrote this big, long email and poured out my heart and you wrote, okay. You know, and it's like, well, what the heck did you want me? (laughs) You know, but, but it's those little things that make such a huge impact. And I definitely, because we won't have time today to get deep into like at the workplace. So I want to do a part two to this, but having that awareness, like you said, and, and teaching you what, and so it, it just, it becomes just what you do, right. And who you are. And that's the beauty of it. And I know that you have probably a million stories to tell about all of these things. So what are some of the tips that our our listeners can start doing to be aware? Obviously, they can call you or I and find out more about emotional intelligence and training and all of that thing. And all of both of our links will be at the, you know, when the episode is posted. But what are some of the things that you can share right now with our listeners? I think there are a couple of things, Kim, and and thank you for sharing your journey that a couple of tweaks really have started to make a really big difference. In the yeah. I mean, I was like shocked. Cause I'm like, yeah. what? That wasn't, you know, when you start getting emails after a meeting saying, wow, that you did a phenomenal job. And I'm like, what? It was yeah. a meeting, you know, like I didn't, <laughs> yeah. so, I mean, it's just really been amazing. I'm so, so happy to hear that because it, that translates out, right. That ripples out because when you handle that well and people notice that you handle that well and you've put them in reward circuitry, that means that they're performing at their best levels and they're then doing the same things out with the people around them. You know, words matter. And the way that the way that we feel either enhances or impairs all of our decisions, all of our behavior, our performance, facial expressions, our tonality, do we type in all caps? All of that stuff <laughs> comes from how we feel. And so yeah, you're right. We, uh, we don't learn to how to deal with how we feel, right? So here's something, here's a, here are a couple things that I could think of off the top of my head. Number one, we all say things like, I'm angry. The rea- no, I'm not angry at you, by the way. That's a um, much nicer I'm, way than I say it, but yeah, that could well, be the New well, York yeah. in me. <laughs> well, it depends on what time the podcast airs, right? You might alter that, you know, if it's Kim Hickey after, after dark, right? So, but you know, I, I'm not angry. I'm Debbie. I might be feeling angry at this moment, but I'm Debbie. We are not what we feel. So that's a big thing, right? We are not, that is not who we are. I'm Debbie and I'm feeling right now really excited to be talking with you. I love connecting with you and I love this conversation and I'm feeling really jazzed and enthused about it. Throughout the course of the day, we have, I don't know, researchers say this somewhere in the neighborhood, like 50 to 60,000 thoughts a day. And every one of them has an emotion attached to it. We feel a lot of things throughout the course of a day. Now, by the way, as an aside, most human beings are completely unaware of how they're feeling. Research says about 85% of the time, we have absolutely no idea how we're feeling, which is kind of scary because that's like putting your teenager in the car and putting a blindfold on him or her and saying, hey, here, go drive down the road, right? We're blindfolded to how we're feeling, but it impacts Everything we do, every conversation we have, every email that we respond to, right? So number one, remember- How many of you out there have gotten in trouble with a text message because the person on the other end didn't read something simple that you wrote that you didn't mean anything harmful or ill will or whatever, but it was like, oh, that was a, so we got, you know, today's world with how busy we are in electronic 
communication. Holy cow, right? This is so important. Yeah. And and so, so one, we are who we are. Our feelings are things that we feel. And if we just begin to pay attention to them. So one of the first things is spend the rest of the day just paying attention to how you feel and call it out in your own head, right? Oh, I'm feeling anxious because I have a meeting coming up. Oh, um, my calendar is really packed full today. I'm feeling tired, right? And you will you will be amazed by the time you go to bed tonight how many things that you accrued throughout the course of the day that you were feeling anyway. You just didn't pay attention to them. So if we begin paying attention to that, then we can really be better, right? We tend to not react so much as we get the opportunity to respond. So you mentioned email and technology. And I think probably all of us listening to this or participating in this have at some point in our lives inadvertently hit reply all. <laughs> Whoopsie. And so if we begin paying attention to how we feel, if you're feeling really frustrated or irritated or angry about something, this is not the time to reply because you can't think straight, right? You have that threat circuitry going on. We lose the ability to think critically. This is when we do things like hit reply all unintentionally or send off a text that can be misinterpreted as being snarky when that wasn't maybe our intention or we didn't care what our intention was. So one, pay attention. You are who you are. You feel different things throughout the day. Two, pay attention to how you are feeling at any given moment. And I would say three, let's like take a behavior that's sort of universal, like one of our EI behaviors makes others feel appreciated. What could you do permanently, not just today, because this is such a good one, right? What could you do permanently or intentionally at least once a day, make an intentional effort to tell someone in your personal life or your professional life genuinely not sugarcoating, not making something up, genuinely making them feel appreciated. Can you send somebody a text that simply says, I don't say it often enough, I appreciate you. Maybe that's your partner. Maybe that's your colleague at work. Do you have a client who you value that relationship so much, but you just haven't said that to them lately? Can you just pick them up and uh, pick up the phone and call them or send them an email and say, just wanted to know how much I value our working relationship. Thank you. That literally takes like seven seconds. Well, if you're a slow typer, maybe 10. <laughs> but I will tell you that expression of gratitude and value and the receiver of that information, that is a really great way to be in reward circuitry. This is demonstrating emotional intelligence. That's not a hard thing to do. In fact, that's your homework assignment. If you're listening to Kim's podcast, Every day from this day forward, do something or tell someone, make someone else feel appreciated. That one thing, if you never did anything else around emotional intelligence ever, if you just did that, watch the quality of your relationships, watch the quality of your work relationships, watch what happens with people who you rely on to give you feedback or create ideas for you or execute projects for you. Watch what just chart what happens if you just did that one thing. That's a pretty good challenge. I love I love the word intentionally because sometimes we start going through the motions because somebody tells us we should do something and we sort of phone it in, right? And people could tell when it's not genuine, right? Yes. They they know. So so when you do it, do it with intent and be in the moment and and really care about what you're saying. And by the way, Kim, do you know how they know? Do you know how they know that you're not being genuine? Because their amygdala says, <laughs> "Hey, this isn't good." Right. This is that this is our human brain saying, uh, uh, 
I don't think so. I'm not buying into that. Right. So again, we're all human. We have to remember that we're, our brains all do the same thing. So you, you bring up, um, you've a couple of times talked about, you know, being authentic. This is really about being authentic, effectively expressing our emotions in the right place at the right time and the right degree to the right person being intentional about expressing appreciation authentically is crucial. So thank you for adding that. Thank you so much. And I cannot believe the the time already. So I definitely want to have part two for how do we use this also in the, in the workplace and what kind of tool, because my gosh, for, for hiring, for, you know, team building, for getting new ideas and so many things that we can use this for. So before, before we, we end today, I ask my guests, what is an unproductive habit that you have exchanged for a more productive one? And what has that done for you, Debbie? I love this question. And I think that you and I might suffer from the same calendar kind of <laughs> I think so. Because if I pull my calendar up, it is color-coded. Um, so my Zoom calls that have video are one color and a Zoom call without has another color and a phone call has another color. And, and so here, I'll give you two things because they kind of wrap together. So the first thing that I did that it was an unproductive behavior that I had that I altered was that I no longer schedule back-to-back meetings. I no longer schedule a 9 a.m. meeting and a 10 a.m. meeting and an 11 a.m. meeting. I will schedule a 9 a.m. meeting and a 10, 15 a.m. meeting, and then an 1130 a.m. meeting. And what that does is gives me a 15-minute window in between the first meeting concluding and the second meeting beginning. Now, that window is really great because we are human, right? So we might need to get a glass of water, we might need a bio break, or we might need to get up and walk around. So there's that, which is just, as a human, really powerful. Here's the other thing that that does. If you've got a 9 a.m. and then a 10 a.m., at about 9.50 your brain starts telling you, oh my God, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, you have that meeting coming up in 10, it's 10 minutes. You got to finish this meeting because you're going to you're gonna be late for the next meeting. We've got to finish this meeting. And so what we start doing is we've totally disconnected from the person that we're talking to at nine. The last 10 minutes of that meeting, if we have 20% attention to that, that would be great because now we're in this threat circuitry about, oh my gosh, we have to wrap this up because we're going to do it again. And then we're worried about being late for the 10 a.m. meeting. So having that buffer serves you to be able to be fully present for everyone who you're talking to. And that's a huge element of emotional intelligence. So not only would that de-stress your calendar, but that will also make you more productive and more effective. And so that's something that I adopted very quickly. And almost always, uh, it works. The second thing that's a really unproductive behavior of mine that I'm really working and wrapping around are boundaries, work boundaries. When am I available and when am I not available? And how do I communicate that? Because as you know- In an emotional, intelligent way. (laughs) In an emotionally intelligent way, yes. Yes, so you can't reply and say, stop emailing me, right? So I sit in a service role as so many of us do. And so there's always that fine line between always wanting to help and exercising some sort of well-being self-care. And that's a, that's like being Nick Walenda and walking across Niagara Falls, right? That is such a tightrope. And, and I know he didn't want to be tethered for that. Sometimes I feel like I'm untethered too. And so two things. One, I do put an autoresponder on um, for the weekend that says, hey, I'm out of the office. I'll be back in on Monday. If your request is urgent, 
please resend your email with the subject line saying urgent. Otherwise, I'll respond to you on Monday. Now, that's done a couple things. That has lifted the draining feeling that I was having by having to be responsive all of the time. And now the people who communicate with me, who send me an email because they're working on a weekend, will get that autoresponder and they can make the choice. This is really urgent, Debbie, I need you. Or (laughs) no biggie, I'll get a response on Monday. The peace of mind that's given me to be able to communicate to folks, which is, hey, I'm always here to help you. You just make the decision. Do you need me now or or can you need me Monday? Has worked really well. Love that. The other thing that I'll share with you that I just saw, because it's somebody who I was just talking to, had the language in the signature of their email, and I'm not get this exactly right, Kim, I'm paraphrasing it, but it basically said, I recognize that my working hours might not be the same as your working hours. Please do not feel obliged to respond to my messages outside of your typical working hours. Oh, I love that. Yes. Isn't that amazing? And to your point, everything is so different now, right? You have people working from home. They're hybrid working. We were going to go back to work. We're not going back to work. All of this stuff is happening and people are juggling their whole lives and all of their work. And so some people are now working from... 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. because they have kids they've got to get going somewhere and then they might work for a little bit in the afternoon and then they might work again at 10 o'clock at night. That singular line in that, and that's in her signature that goes out to every person who Oh, I need a copy of that. (laughs) I thought this is brilliant. This is like one sentence that kind of sets this very healthy boundary. Hey, this is when I'm working and I'm sending it to you. You don't have to do anything until you're working. And if what your work and my work don't coincide, no biggie. But again, it's that emotionally intelligent communication. So I just wanted to share that with you because of what you asked, um, because I love it. I think it's it was spectacular. I, I love it too. And we all, as you said earlier, have creative moments at different times. I'm a night person. You know, my ideas come at night. So I'll be emailing people at one or two in the morning because things pop in my head and Oh my gosh, I never even gave it a thought that they would feel like they had to email me back or, you know, I usually get one the next morning saying, what the heck were you doing up at 2 a.m. or what, you know, but I love what, what a nice way to say, don't feel like you have to respond. This is just whatever. The other trend I've been seeing on, on emails is signatures that I like as well as I answer, or, you know, I read my emails at 10 o'clock and three o'clock so that people know this is the expected time that you'll be replying to them and not be like, Oh my God, I emailed an hour ago. I, you know, I want to have, I haven't heard a reply or whatever. So love all of this. So many takeaways today. Um, one, I'm going to change my passwords that have Mrs. Liskovic. Yes. Now that you've put that out there <laughs> name on there this morning, I'm going to get a dry erase marker for my shower. And uh, I love the email tips and just to really with intent, you know, reach out to somebody and do. And so again, I just want to reiterate, this isn't kumbaya. This isn't trophy for everyone. This isn't, you have to hold everybody's hands in a meeting. This is just about tweaking your verbiage, your body language or things so that the message is received the way you intend it. Because that's so many times we hear, well, that's not the spirit in which I wrote that or said that, but to, to do that. So thank you so much. And when you have time to look at your calendar, let me know when you can schedule a part two for this, because I really want to talk about how we can use this in the workplace too. So 
I'll be happy to do that. Kim, you'll be color coded in my calendar, right? Because we have our calendars and listen, let's not finish up and then I'll stop talking so you can do your goodbyes to your listeners. But I really appreciate you being interested in talking about this, inviting me to come onto your podcast and, and get to meet your listeners. So I just wanted to very intentionally thank you for that today. Well, I thank you very much for being here. So everybody stay safe, make good choices, stay inspired, and I will talk to you next week. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Maximum Optane, your ride to the entrepreneur's evolution. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, topic ideas, or you just want to be a guest on my show, I want to hear from you. You can reach me directly at mlpodcast at autotraining.net. Thanks for listening and keep seeking information everywhere that you can.